This is We Are Black Journos podcast episode four. I'm actually in my parents' place of origin, my most visited country um, outside of the UK, and probably the first country I ever got the opportunity to properly work at as a journalist. And it's so, so exciting to know that I'm experiencing this um, podcast recording with an incredible, hardworking, talented, sweet and awesome journalist who I had the pleasure of connecting with um, working at the BBC. Now, Debola, if it's not your striking Instagram stories sharing us the several bags that you'll wear to work at Heritage Place... <laughs> where the BBC Lagos Bureau is based in Nigeria, where we currently are, by the way, um, then it's your love for so many things, the boxes that we dare not put you in, because you have such a strong passion for storytelling and so much more. Um, So this is such a pleasure being able to sit here with you in Lagos, Nigeria, learn more about your journey and just what makes you you in this ever-growing world of journalism and more wow that is quite the introduction hannah you said so much about me i don't even know where to begin um i will just start with you know you not being able to put me in a box i really like that i struggled with that for a while um because i wanted to do so many things I'm sure you're going to introduce me later as, you know, a sports journalist. I work in sports at the moment. Oh, you, um, you tell them. You've already done it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's um, it. But I remember when I started out, I wanted to be Oprah Winfrey. Um, yes, I liked sport. I watched sport. I played a bit of sports. But I just wanted to do everything, you know, as a teenager. And when I when media first caught my eye, I wanted to work in sports. I wanted to tell people stories, do a lot of lifestyle I liked alternative music. I was hoping I could be a music journalist as well and go to gigs and play and watch, you know, bands play and write about them or just enjoy them. Um, I, I also, you know, started picking up lots of other interests in tech, like podcasting. I thought, yeah, I want to do that as well. And then when people said, when people asked me rather, so what do you want to do exactly? Which one? You have to choose one. I was always just so baffled and sad and I was quite despaired, like... Am I really supposed to pick one? Uh, but then I grew into it and then realized I can do as many things as I want. I am many things, like I like to say. And I'm at that point now where I can streamline exactly who I am. Um, like on my website that I just made, I said I'm an eclectic broadcast journalist. Oh, it would be nice if I were reading it out now, but I'll just, you know, bring it out from my head. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, I'm an eclectic broadcast, skilled broadcast journalist. Um, creating content across all media types in radio, TV, audio, um, writing articles. Um, I currently work in sports because that's not exactly the only thing I want to lead with. I'm a journalist and storyteller first before, um, before you know, I'm doing this in sports. I could as well do it in any other form. And um, I have been working with, with athletes, you know, over the past four years. And I'm at that stage where I want to also bridge the gap between athletes and brands in Africa because they honestly are suffering a lot. I don't want to sugarcoat this. And, you know, I want to bridge that gap through storytelling, communication, marketing, you know, um, partnerships. And, yeah, I've been able to just streamline everything that I am into into a couple of 
four paragraphs that makes people, you know, realize, okay, yeah, this is what I'm about. Somewhere in between, I should have added that I'm also building Story In, um, a podcast production company. Um, I used to worry so much, especially as a teenager, that I, I just had too many interests and I can do everything. Mm. And it would, it, would, it would make me feel, seem like someone who is not sure what they want with their life. But at this point, I'm really sure what I want. And it's a lot of things. So thank you for leading with that. Um, my Instagram stories is fun. I post so many jargon, but I've heard it's fun. So I just do it anyway. And you're um, so fun. Oh my you. goodness. And, you know, even just my jaw dropping as you're telling us that you're working on yet another incredible venture. Before we, you know, dabble more into your greatness and what makes you you. Oh, Hannah. Wow, just, There's you. just too much greatness. I, I can't cope right now. What was Debola Adebanjo doing 10 years ago? Uh, the only way. That's an interesting... Um, 10 years ago. So to get to that, I should... How old was I 10 years ago? I'm 29 now. I was 19. I just finished school 10 years ago. Um, I didn't exactly finish because I had an extra year. I was studying microbiology. I got into studying medicine because of my dad then. Um, Where were you studying at? Lagos State University here in Lagos. So at 19, I had just finished, you know, that mandatory four years. I still had an extra year to do to receive some papers. But I remember I started writing proposals to radio stations um, because that's just that was just what I needed to do. I didn't quite have anyone guiding me. I didn't have anyone to look up to. So I would just, you know consume lots of media and then dream to want to be that so i just had an idea that look this is how you need to do it write um proposals and then walk into this radio station so exactly at 19 i remember that's what i was doing because it took me about six months to find not because i was scared but i just wanted to make it perfect i wanted to go into these spaces um and you know not be turned down or not not be told that yeah you're just one of those dreamy kids and you're not going to make it so I was writing a proposal for a book club on radio. I also wrote another one for an alternative music show. I Nobody, I mean, I didn't have anyone to tell me that a demo or a proposal is just supposed to be like, I don't know, four pages. I literally wrote like um, a project file, about 16 pages explaining a radio program. Nobody was going to read that. Quite all right, but it did get me in the door. So um, I remember taking these, I printed about maybe four copies or five because I targeted a lot of the radio stations on the mainland here and then I walked into at least four on that day and at the end of the day one of someone no at the end of the day two radio stations took me in one um, made me do a demo like on the spot for a radio um, that went on air that evening rather for a rock show and then the other radio station when I went in um, the radio, pre- the sports presenter there said, I know you from Twitter. You're always tweeting about Arsenal and football. You should come on mm-hmm. my show. And then when the show ended that day, that first day at 6 p.m., he said, you know what? You're coming in tomorrow again. And that was really how it started. So at 19, that was what I was doing. I, I kicked off my radio dream, um, so to speak. He didn't exactly go in a straight line, but mm. I mean, that was how it started. Yeah, and um, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Like when is there ever a straight line? There'll always be a, a right turn in all, well, here in, in Nigeria, you'll go off the uh, expressway and then you'll 
turn back and you'll enter the highway and, and go into this waiting. street. Yes, honestly. And just who would have thought that you would then continue that road to work for the world's biggest broadcasting organization mm. in the most populous country in the continent? Mm. How do you put those two together? When did you understand just how big somewhere like the BBC is? Oof, I know that's a lot to unpack. There's so much. So much to unpack. Um, hmm. So, okay, fun fact. I almost didn't apply for the job at the BBC. I almost, yeah, this is something I've put on my Instagram stories one or two times. So mm. I remember it was October 20th to 2018. That was the final day of submission. That was the day I put in my application because just... Just um, three months prior to that, I had I'd been on, a, on another three-month freelancing journey as a sports journalist. I found my way around there, and I was really enjoying it. I was telling original stories in my own little way, with my own little camera, creating my own little podcast, uploading stuff on YouTube, a football website and stuff. So I thought, mm, who needs the BBC? I can do this stuff. I was foolish, but... <laughs> Um, but then I applied. Um, so I was just going to say I did not... Because the BBC was not like my dream dream. Um, I never like had that... I never had it penned down somewhere when I was 19. Great, you brought, brought that up earlier that yeah, I was going to end up here. But I knew that I wanted to do media. I knew I had um, the talent. Um, I knew I was hardworking. I was mainly just chasing a dream. Um, like I'm more of... I don't want to be 50 and then regret all of the things I did not do. So that's that's more of how I see my life or why I do the things I do rather than, oh, I want to be the top gun or something. So I quite honestly did not see uh, myself being here, but it's been, it's been a lot. And I think I now can wrap up how I got here. It's simply mm. just just doing things at my pace and then, you know, just trusting myself to to do the things I believe in, right? And um, like I said, three months before before you know the the job opening came up, I was doing a lot of things on my own, and mm. I was like, those those were the things that actually got me in, because I mean I could only post links to my YouTube page, I could only post links to one or two radio shows I'd done um, where I was um, employed for a year. I could only post links to collaborations with, you know, uh, you know, Pulse, of course, our yes. big digital company here. I could yes. only post, you know, some episodes of a, uh, an online, you know, football talk show I did with them. And I was very certain those were the things I wanted to do those times I was doing them. And, you know, when the guys at the BBC looked through those things and during the interview, those were the things they chatted to me about. So conviction that I was doing what I really wanted to do, what I enjoyed doing, um, really just got me here all the way. I mean, I, I talked about the demo, the book club and the rock show. Yeah, that yes. got my foot in the door. Those are the things I love. Like I would always, you know, read at home or just listen to alternative music. So, um, it's been it's been a lot, and I know I've babbled on, but no. yeah, I think it's pretty much just doing doing the things I love, doing what I think is me, and then seeing how it works out, and most importantly, putting it out there. That's the thing I think that's 100%. that's key. Oh, I love that you said that, and this isn't babbling. This is <laughs> two friends that happen to basically be colleagues to you know 
just share these incredible things about how being a black journalist can just take you beyond more than just being a black journalist. Mm -hmm. And I love what you said about not burying things because it reminds me of one of my favorite sayings. Quite sad when you think about it, but Mm -hmm. I'm going to ask you, where is the physical place that you will find the most unfulfilled potential? Do you know? Wow. Um, I think if I were to answer that, I would feel people who are basically just not leaving their true self. Yes. Um, yes. People who are just not bold enough. Yeah, I think that's it. Um, people who are not bold enough to be all the things they really want to be. Yeah. Uh, people who are worried about what other people will say, what other people will think. Yeah. Um, people who are living a lie. I think that's where you're going to find a lot of unfulfillment. I know it's 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 a lot of it's packing a, there, it is. but that's it is. that's where I will go. Yeah, and rightly so. Um, the physical place is a graveyard. It's in a graveyard because so many people died with their ideas and their passions ah, yeah. for a variety of different ways. Oh, um, I don't want to do too much, or what if it doesn't work out? What if it fails? Or I don't have enough time or, you know, the list is honestly endless. What will people think? And I love the fact that the things that you pursue and wanted to do were things that you didn't want to be buried with you. You wanted to share with others and that takes a lot of balls. Essentially, it's what a journalist does, isn't it? You're always kind of selling yourself, isn't it? Always. You slaved over this write-up and every person on your Twitter feed needs to know about this. True. All of my True. followers need to know I've written this. True. Read it. Click on the link. True. I'll know if you're lying or True. not. Because exactly. I know ev- I know every word of it and I'm kind of sick of it. Yeah. And I'm I- putting it out for everyone to listen yeah. to. And I know the back end to know how many of you have read it. Yes, so. Yeah, like, I know all of that technology. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, selling ourselves is really what we do best mm. as journalists. Um, it's interesting that, you know, some people still don't do it enough personally. Um, I find that interesting because, yes, you have to write for, um, especially if you're not a freelance journalist, you have to write for your publication. They're going to put it out anyway. You're going to get paid anyway. Um, But sometimes our stories also get lost in what the publisher wants to put out or the way they want to be seen. And you, as a journalist, might find yourself not creating stories that are you, stories that Mm -hmm. you can relate with, stories that... You know, you want to read yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's where a lot of publishers get it wrong as well. Um, I was recently in a meeting when, um, in a meeting at the BBC, and I think it just came up. Oh, yeah, I remember the mm-hmm. exact time. I remember the exact time. So the BBC um, interviewed someone. They just brought in someone from one of these indie publications to come in and tell us the things they do how it works for them why it's working for them and i think one of the key things they just said is you have to let people do the things they're just interested in Mm. and they gave an example of a lady who reviews um she just reviews she does album covers in a different way on youtube and they said it's one of their most watched things on youtube ever and it's just something she likes, she enjoys doing normally. It's just mm. indie, it's different, it's refreshing, but they had the courage to say, you know what, you like it, you enjoy it, just go and do it and see how it comes out. Don't don't let streamline you to what we're in quotes supposed to be. Mm. Um, so as as journalists, um, you find that some people are not too proud to share their work. Um, and in that mm. same stead, end up not sharing themselves because they're just 
normally not doing what they're you know interested in that's a lot of things journalists especially here in Africa where um the the freedom is not is not really there like people still have to worry about their paychecks people have to worry um about their safety you know there's really no no the expression the freedom to express themselves is really not there the imagination more importantly is not there um so i think yeah we do share ourselves as journalists i'm i'm lucky to be able to do and speak to athletes i i really like so i'm getting the best out of them i'm lucky to be able to pitch new ideas digital content and get to do them in a way that i like but not a lot of people around me are um and yeah it's sad when you see that they can truly share and express themselves as they ought to as journalists exactly and Oh gosh, so much to unpack from that. But I'm gonna pick up on what what you said about uh, speaking to athletes in a later question. But one thing that um, I, I, like, I think I would I, like to add. To oh that. yes, <laughs> oh, just go on her feed. She's met all of your faves. Let's just say that all of your favorite athletes. About, she's probably about one them. third, but it's a good start. It's it's a good third. <laughs> Very tall thirds. And tall. Tall and handsome. Yeah. Anyway, I don't have um, your numbers, guys. I promise, <laughs> I do not. I'm, I'm, I I still don't believe her. But um, you know, you. It's interesting because, thank you so much for shedding light on the beauty but the struggles that can come with being a journalist on the African continent even if we look at ah, the nation of Nigeria mm-hmm. you know the fact that we've got a population of over 200 million people and counting rumoured well predicted to be probably not well counted <laughs> at all predicted to be the third populous country in the world within the next couple of decades mm-hmm. and is a really strong melting pot for journalism um, do you see that as a case of, you know, as a storyteller that's working here on a day-to-day basis, do you kind of see why so many stories come out of Nigeria and, what, and why do you think that is? Why is Nigeria so popular for African news and journalism? Because it's a big um, continent, it's 54 countries. Yeah. Why, why is this one at the, the tip of everyone's lips when it comes to news in the continent? Um, oh, there are lots of reasons for that. Um, uh, let's talk about how people consume and disperse news now using social media. That's very huge. There are lots of young people. We can't um, use Twitter in Nigeria. Yes, that's at the moment. Story. Yes, at the moment. Um, um, I mean, but people are still using it. People are still making VPN you know news too. trend. Yeah, using um, VPN. Um, you know, as at the time we we're recording this this podcast, President Buhari is still trending and. Supposedly, you know, um, for, you know, the fact that he's off to the UK again for treatment, he's banned to tie in the country, but people are still bringing attention to the fact that this man is, so, I mean, yeah, so um, I think um, social media does help, but then you have to look at the population um, using these social media apps and their young population. Let's not forget Africa has um, the youngest population globally. Um so I think that is that is those are two main reasons I believe that you know Nigeria is always in the news. We have really vibrant people, um, really um, opinionated people, people who have very strong opinions, young and old, and um, the fact that they can use social media as well um, just couples that up and makes makes news go 
um, faster than usual makes people um, makes they feel like they have the power to bring attention to to what is going on in their country. Um, I think it still comes down to the people generally. We are highly rated. A lot of very successful Nigerians all across the world, um, and you just feel like a country that has been able to you know pull such talents, such resources. People will wonder. Okay, people will basically be interested a bit to find out what's going on. Um, what's going on there? Let's not talk of all of the um, allies we have all over the world, people we are doing business with. We've seen tech industries come here to leverage on the population. Um, we've seen fashion industry, we've seen the entertainment industry also pushing forward. And NSARS was an example. Hmm. Um, you know, Barna Whiskey and David O coming together brought in, you know, different kind of energy and voice and attention to the whole movement alone. So um, I think the power of um, storytelling in Nigeria and the way people are interested still comes down to the people. They just will not be silenced. That's it. They will never. They're too strong. And that's what the government don't understand. Even the people, I don't think, honest, don't, do not understand how much power they have. I believe we're just not. Um, we cannot be silenced. We're too strong, you know, to be. And um, that's why, you know, people, the world will continue to hear about the things going on here. Absolutely. And with that being said, I wonder, like, what is it like as a, again, a, an African journalist in Africa reporting on a lot of the stories that our audiences find of interest, mm. but then also realising that many media narratives of the continent are always negative. How do you feel being in that place where, on a global perspective, Africa mm. is always seen as the worst? Oh, it's depressing. Which is, it's, it's even painful for me to say that because spending so much time here, I believe in the absolute opposite of that because I've been able to experience things and meet people that I wouldn't in any other part of the world. And I'm grateful to say that a majority of my experience has been positive. But I just wonder what it's like for you. Like you, you've spent the whole of your life here and you happen mm. to work in an industry where globally this part of the world is seen as bottom barrel. It's depressing. Um, it's. Um, I think. Uh, I mean, I'm just. I'll speak personally um, now, and I think it's a lot for. It's the same for a lot of people who have found a coping me mechanism around this. Um, so it went from depressing to, yes, I've gotten used to it. Yes, um, <laughs> blaming myself and blaming. The country for the way people perceive us um, and it's just gone around back all the way um, to being sad uh, but I think I'm also at that stage where I don't even I don't even bother to change um, those perspectives anymore um, because it's out there like the great people are doing is out there I'll use you as an example um, using your platform however um, big and small, always, you know, promoting the great things you meet here, the great people, the great places. I mean, you've been in how many West African countries that <laughs> even I haven't been. And, you know, you've brought out nothing but good vibes from this place. So if anybody is still thinking same, if anybody is still putting out these kind of narratives that there is no good here, I think it's just because that's what they choose to, not because they haven't been exposed to great things that can happen i mean you need to look at the people first and then try to trace where they came from mm -hmm. i mean look at the great africans we have doing amazing things 
yeah. where did they come from so um yes it's depressing um but the blame game like i said has now gone round to why can't you know our leaders fix these things and make it better um because at the in the end we really don't have anyone to blame but ourselves that's the way i say it like we can be a lot better than we than we are at the moment and it's just very interesting because when people say africa is is not a country yes it's not it's not. <laughs> it's, it's literally not but when you look at our issues, they're so similar. You're thinking, yes. yeah, I see why they're, they're calling us a country. They're similar. The, the issues are like literally all, um, they're all round. Like they're the same all round. Bad leaders, um, um, bad governance, corruption and things like that. Mm. So yes, there's a lot of good here. Um, and I think people will at a point in their lives experience it. That's the, that's, that's the way I console myself. Um, but steadily, we just have to, you know, hang on to people like you, people like me, hopefully, Absolutely. other great people yeah. um, doing great things that, you know, will just keep putting, you know, Africa out there on, on, on in a good light and on the map for good, basically. But yes, it's, it's, it's depressing, to say the least. Yeah, your, um, your journey has been one where I'm sure many of our listeners will be surprised about. Um, especially with what we've just spoken about with the negative connotations like mm -hmm. oh wow okay so journalists could, are doing quite well in Africa um, which is a, a terrible stereotype and it's actually one thing that I've come across as well mm -hmm. you know when when being asked oh you're going to be working across the continent how is that going to work and I, I said how it works in every country there is internet here <laughs> internet is here like just really smashing mm -hmm. up those stereotypes yeah. as well um and I'm a big believer in, you know, really amazing parts of life happens when you're at the end of your comfort zone. Mm. So whether that is moving across the world oh, to embark yeah, on something yeah. exciting. And I am pretty sure that many of the people that listen to this podcast may not even be journalists. They may be aspiring or passionate about wanting to do it. And I'd love to know, Deb, um, what kind of advice would you give people who really want to just do something but it's not in the usual environment that they're used to um well i think I, I i gave a very big hint at the start um doing what you really like what you're interested in um i think everyone knows what they can do like yeah you might have a phase where you're pondering if i should take this route or if i should do this but um, figure that out. And I think that's another thing you can get a lot of advice on, but you will not exactly, you cannot be told exactly what to do. Like it's something you need to figure out on your own. Um, and if, if you're at that phase, um, if you're listening to this and you're at that phase, just don't rush it, take your time. You'll eventually figure it out because that's kind of like the easiest part, you know, <laughs> for the journey ahead. Um, because there's still that bit where you then need to, get up and then do that thing you really like and that thing you're very interested in and that's where people people don't um i think that's that's where people find the finally the hardest you said something about you know the graveyard being that place with unfulfilled potential it's it's basically hannah was basically saying people that don't that just didn't get around to doing what they want to do exactly so that's the hardest part when you find out what you really want to do you have to do it without it being perfect. You you just have to create. If you're going to 
I mean, everybody's a creator these days, aren't we? I yeah. mean, even if even if you work in what a financial environment, you still have to create You're something. You're making isn't something. It? I mean, yeah. so yeah. you have to create, for the lack of a better word, you have to get around and do it. It doesn't have to be perfect. Um, the thing about opportunities are that you're going to meet someone one day and it's always certain it happens to all of us you know you've probably been watching someone you really like in your field on tv you're going to someday meet them or someday be in a position where someone like them will ask you what have you done you know people who can give you a break in or a foot in the door of what you really want to do Mm -hmm. and you do not want to say i haven't done anything you do not want to say i can i mean Personally, if I, if people come to me and say, oh, yes, I like to I like to be on radio, I like to get into the media, um, because I'm I'm really I'm understanding of how hard it could be to move from point A to B. Yes. I I share tips on okay, I think you should do this. I think you should start a blog. I think you should start putting out content on your Instagram. I think you should you know every week do a recap on YouTube. I'm mm-hmm. kind enough to give you those tips, but. Ideally, the way it should work is when people come to me like that, I ask them, so what have you done? Because when I see what you've done, I give you, I can instantly follow up with more tips or I have an idea of where you can fit. And if there's an opening, there's an easy way to just plug the person in. I can give you the biggest high five for that. I'm not even joking. Literally. Another one. Wait, wait, wait. Did I make enough noise? That's okay. Yeah, we've we've eaten a lot today. I'm even just scrolling to your Instagram as we speak, and oh my gosh, that that is one of the key bits of advice that I would give anyone. Because again, as Deborah has rightly said, you'll get people messaging you or in your DMs saying, "Hey, I'd be really interested about X, Y, and Z." And my question is, what have you done? What have you done, sis, bro? Like. What will actually set you apart from others? Exactly. You're filling an application form. A majority of work, um, you know, applications, there'll be like a little section where you can post links of yeah. something that you've written or filmed or something. Yeah. Just think of it like that. You have, I'm sure we, we're not in any way doubting your passions mm-hmm. or your confidence to want to get into this sector, but you need to understand that it's incredibly um, competitive. Yeah. And... You know, someone that's immediately placed a high advantage of you are able to show what they do. Exactly. Even if they may not be as good as you, Mm -hmm. but they have something to show for it. Exactly. And in this day and age where people are creating podcasts off their phone, YouTube channels off your smartphones, you're probably even listening to this podcast on on a, a podcast or reels on Instagram. Like, There's so many ways to create content that is very easy to put out there yeah i just feel like we're at a time right now where there's no excuses especially if you have a smartphone in your hand right now true so just really think deep and hard i mean there's one thing knowing why you want to get into it but if you can't at least show one thing then it's time to really get working isn't it it absolutely absolutely you just have to do exactly you need to do the work um and that's another thing a lot of people do not quite understand like you Hmm. just You need to work. You need to do it. Um, Because, I mean, once you do it, I know this sounds very cliche, it's just going to come back and and be great in your face. Like, Mm -hmm. it will blow up in a really good way in your face once you've put in the work. And like I said, that figuring out what you want to do is really the easy part. Doing the work, um, um, creating the content, putting yourself out there is the hardest part. And 
Um, I think that's the sequence, really. Find out something you can do. And it really, literally could be anything, you know. If you really like music um, and maybe you can't get to your favorite, you know, your favorite artist, so to speak, go to shows, go to red carpet event, events, you know, interview people, interview yeah. them with your smartphone. Just tell, in fact, look, lead people. Everybody likes someone who is trying to do something. And I think that really helped me um, when I started my sports um, career. Like, you know, I spoke about that phase in my life before I applied for the BBC role. Yeah. I would just pick up my camera and go to, um, I would travel to um, football games. The Super mm-hmm. Eagles of Nigeria, like the men's, biggest um football team the highest level they would have games out of lagos i would totally starve myself save up for flight tickets and go and then i'll meet up with some of these players and just say hey look i know you don't know me but i'm new i'm really just going to ask you a few questions the audio is not even great but i'll put it on my youtube anyway and i mean yes your audio wasn't too great but i may try to submit it to the bbc like look i have the ideas i might not have the money i might not have the trained expertise but i have the right ideas and that's really what people want to see so find out that thing you like doing um make a move towards it and you know once you start at point a you realize yourself like yeah i can do it this way point b or someone else is doing it like that i'm going to try that format and by the time the opportunity comes you have enough material to go at it it doesn't mean you're going to get it immediately but someone would have seen you trust me people are watching (laughs) that's another thing you'll be shocked you know, the amount of people that are watching act like they're not seeing you, act like they're not watching you. But it's just registering in their minds that, okay, when I need someone who, I don't know, does sports and radio, someone who creates great travel content, I'm just (laughs) going to come to this girl. And it always comes back around. So don't be ashamed to share yourself. A lot of people really find it hard doing that. Um, Don't think about what people will say. Though you... (laughs) Being a journalist, like Hannah said earlier, is all about sharing yourself. And it's yeah. amazing that some people don't even do it. I mean, I get I get people say, oh, yeah, I'm probably doing too much. You shared this and that and that. I am going to keep sharing it. Exactly. Um, because According I know to it's who coming do around. you share too much as well? Like, yeah. It's all subjective. What yeah. is too much of sharing your work? Your work. You know, or putting your best foot forward. Exactly. Um, most times it's people just projecting their insecurities. Yeah. Um, you need to identify that as well. So, yeah, do the work, share the work, um, and um, have a go at opportunities um, when, when, even when you don't feel like you're ready. Just have a go at it until the right thing comes along. Absolutely. Um, gosh, I guess our last question, Deborah, is, um, you know, what a time to be a storyteller. What a time to be a journalist in not just the the career of sport, but just what it's taught you about storytelling in general. Um, and I guess it would be great to know what you're working on next. You mentioned that you're working on this exciting new platform, Connecting African Creeps. Yep. Tell me, tell me more about yep. that. Yeah, so it's just basically African stories. And I know that might sound cliche, um, but I would like to to do audio form of storytelling because I feel it's still the most engaging, it's still the most intimate. Um, it's a form of storytelling we haven't really um, explored to all its limits here in Africa. I mean, I love podcasts. Hannah is making one. And I remember when you said, you know, where Black Journalist was going to be putting out podcasters. I was so excited because, yes, mm-hmm. that's what 
there really can never be enough podcasts in the world, really. Um, and particularly here in Africa, we just aren't, you know, tapping into it financially. Um, the technology as well, we keep saying it's not here. But how about we start thinking about it and get the technology there? Get our internet speed up, you know, the way it's supposed to be. Um, get connectivity problems, um, you know, a lot better. So, yes, that's, that, that's why um, I would like to... Um, tell African stories through audio um, because it's just really intimate. And, you know, the thing about our stories are we, like like you mentioned earlier, we hear one type, you know, of African stories. You know, people saying the stories that tell us about all the bad things here yeah, and never really the good things. Um, even in the midst of good things, we still have some very, um, they're intricacies. They're like, you know, a lot of people might not imagine that, you know, someone who is African likes, I get, I get told a lot, oh, you like white girl music when I listen to alternative music. You'll be surprised the interest, you know, African youths nowadays have and the things we have created or, or the things we've, you know, taken from somewhere else and now made our own. Um, and those are the places, those are the people I would like to create yeah. content for, you yeah. know. People who are into gaming, people who are into fashion, people who, you know, queer people, anybody really, just any, I mean, yes, um, my background might solely be etched in, in sports, but when I see stories about, you know, the problems women face um, in sex, you know, um, in, in um, reproduction issues, especially as young millennials, those are stories that... I love the best because they're what I can relate to. I like to 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 um to to get into stories that you know that are real, like the things I'm facing, and I think basically um those are the stories I want to get from from natural people, from normal people telling you know and sharing their stories. So it's just um for starters, just spotting all of these talents, spotting all of these stories, spotting all of these people who are you know. Um, open to coming out to sharing it and then helping them produce it helping them um, channel you know the storytelling with my skills the way I can and then we push it out there for as much people to listen so it's it's still a long um, still I barely have even started but you know I have the vision in my head and yeah I just want to help as many people tell their story in that audio form that I like as much as possible. And it could be anything really in any any aspect that entertains um that entertains people. Gosh, and you have inspired us, you've entertained us and yeah, thank you so much for just being a voice on this and we are so excited to hear more about the greatness that you're about to achieve and more. Thank you, Hannah. Thank you. This went better than I could have ever imagined. Thank you for being very supportive. Hannah is my friend, and I know it's supposed to be like a <laughs> professional um, <laughs> podcast, but I really would just like to say Hannah is great. And a lot of you probably already know. And in case you're just listening for the first time, Hannah is loved across seven continents. <laughs> Are there seven continents even? Yes, just about that. Eight continents. Oh. Yeah. Um, thank you for being just you know a beacon of of um, love. I know it's usually hope people say, but it's love. Like you share so much warmth, um, and I am very stunned at how people love you. <laughs> no, I'm serious. Like it's maybe maybe because I'm like you know part introverted, kind of. But the mm -hmm. way 
Like nobody literally has a bad thing to say about you. And that is so that is so strange. <laughs> strange in a good way. Like I don't see it every day. No. I'm like <sighs> you can tell you can tell like my exasperation from this. Honestly. Like and you treat you treat everyone the same way. Yes, you know? I I can't. <laughs> no, I think that's it. Jam. I really can. You make this person feel loved just as equally as you make other people feel loved. And it doesn't mean, you know, I've known this person longer than this other, so I'm going to treat this person this way. That's just a rare talent, to be very honest. Um, you're you're so loved, and I'm, like, very happy for the life. I think that's the most important bit. I'm just... You know, when you feel... When you really like someone and you're happy that you know that no matter what happens, they'll be fine because they just have that love they're giving back. Just giving... Um, to them, so um, yeah, well done for all you. Come do. on for a hug. Keep, uh, keep creating, Hannah, and keep being amazing. Keep leaving, and thank you guys for listening. Um, gosh, good luck editing this, yo. Yes. <laughs> oh gosh, well, it's I know that I'll be smiling through it. I'm probably crying at the end from your beautiful words, but please do stay tuned to the We Are Black Journals podcast. Um, season one is almost done. You can listen back to the incredible people that we've had, as well as the awesome Deborah de Banjo. I'm putting all of her details in the description where you can find out more about her. Thank you for listening, guys. <laughs>